Do you love God but struggle to fit in? Do you have questions that never seem to get answered? Do you just want to have honest conversations about things that matter? Well, let's slow down and take the time to do just that. Welcome to Jesus Never Ran. Hey everyone, great to be with you again. As always, one of my favorite things to do every single week is to record this podcast and be with you. This week, taking a little break from our interviews to just have a frank discussion. And by discussion, I mean I'm just going to talk the whole time. A frank discussion about heaven and hell. If you didn't listen last week to Brian McLaren, I highly recommend that you do that to get an understanding of what we're talking about and where we're going today. Before we jump in, a few real quick things. Number one, our sponsors are amazing. Rise Nutrition and Janiska. They will help you with all of your nutrition goals. If you're in the Menominee, Wisconsin area, stop by their brick and mortar to check them out. Or you can find them on Facebook at Rise Menominee. That's Rise with a Z. Also, Infinity Beverages. If you are in Eau Claire, go to their tasting room and check out all of their great wines and cocktails. I'm telling you, my favorite place to hang out with friends. You can find them online at infinitybeverages.com. And of course, if you want to support this show, just simply subscribe and then give us a rating and then finally write a review. It's the best way to help this show get in front of as many people as possible. A number of months ago, I was at a Bible study. And it was a Bible study just like any Bible study. There was a group of probably 10 to 12 people at this study. I was leading it. Uh, somebody with maybe some questionable decision-making decided that Matt should lead <laughs> this Bible study for a group of people that were very traditional in their thinking, I would say. And all that to say, it went great. And I'm very aware of who the audience is when I'm leading them. And I also am careful when I need to be careful. And I push the envelope when I need to push the envelope. So all that to say, we're having a great time being together talking about the Bible. Well, there was a little bit of a break and we were all just simply going to get some food to eat and hang out a little bit before we closed up our time together. And there was one gentleman that was there that was really struggling. You could just see it in his posture, his demeanor. You could see there was tears in his eyes. And so eventually I found myself standing with him in the corner of the room and I just asked him, I said, hey, what's going on? And here's what he told me. He said, my wife died from cancer a number of years ago. So that in and of itself is a lot to deal with. He said, my wife died of cancer a number of years ago. Because of her death, my son hates God. And if you put two and two together, that makes sense. If you believe that God had something to do with your mom dying, you might not think too highly of that God. But then he went on to say, he said, now my son is grown and he's joined the military. And this week he is being sent overseas to be in the middle of a military conflict. He said, I am so afraid that my son is going to go over there to serve his country, that he's going to get killed. And because he doesn't believe in God, he's going to go to hell. I just lost my breath when he said that because I can't imagine that sort of burden being on a person's shoulders. 
I can't imagine, I have a couple of children, I can't imagine thinking that because of the way that they believe that something could happen to them and that God could send them to a place of eternal punishment. And so I just looked him in his eyes that were getting even more welled up with tears at this point. And I said, I'm not confident that the God that we serve and that the God that's represented in Jesus dying on a cross, I'm not so confident that that God would send your son who's gone through so much to hell because he struggles to believe in a God that would kill his mom. I said, I think that God's grace is bigger than we could ever imagine. And when I said those words, you could just see his shoulders lower. You could see his face just kind of untwist. And then we actually went on to continue our Bible study and our time together. And the following week, he found me and he just thanked me for helping him to be freed from the thought that his son might get killed serving our country. And because of it, the God we serve would send him to hell for not believing in the right way. I fully understand that the space that most people want to go right away is they want to say, but Matt, we can't challenge this type of thinking because the Bible just says this is how it is. That's really the pushback that I get on a lot of different things. This is just what the Bible says. The Bible is true. And so we have to believe it. And honestly, we're going to get more into that in the upcoming weeks. Starting next week, we're going to start just looking at how maybe we're viewing the Bible incorrectly, but we'll do that next week. But like so many things, the Bible is really not as clear as we wish it was on the subject of heaven and hell. Last week, Brian McLaren mentioned, and he did it so well and explained why he thinks this way. He'd mentioned the reality that Jewish people, so our Old Testament understanding, Jewish people did not have a concept of hell like we think of it today, which is crazy because in my mind, that's always what I assumed. I always assumed the idea of heaven and hell is the same from the front of the Bible to the end of the Bible. So that means that everything we see that refers to hell in the Old Testament is a different way of thinking. And it comes from a word called Sheol, which simply means the place of the dead. So it was really just this concept that they had that, okay, people die and they go somewhere. It wasn't a concept or a thought where they said, well, good people go to here and bad people go to there. It was simply a place of the dead. We get to the New Testament and Jesus talks about hell an uncomfortably large number of times. It's the space that when I've been researching and looking into this and going through it and asking these questions, the place I get tripped up the most or I have gotten tripped up the most is just the fact that Jesus seems to talk about hell an awful lot. And this, again, has been a lot of the pushback that I have received. Well, Jesus talks about it a lot, which, first of all, I respond of saying, well, how come everybody wants to 
talk about and condemn the LGBT community so much when Jesus doesn't talk about that. But then when we switch it around and want to talk about hell, then of course, because Jesus does talk about it, then we're willing to use that as (laughs) an excuse or a defense. Not fair to do that. Anyway, so Jesus uses the idea, this concept of hell a lot of times. But if you look close enough, you'll notice that he's never talking about hell and he uses different terms even when he's talking about it. But he never talks about the concept of hell for the sake of talking about the concept of hell. He's never trying to describe to us what this hell is meant for or what it looks like. He's using it almost like a metaphor at times, but he's using it to get a completely separate point across. One of my favorite times is when he starts getting on the religious leaders saying, hey, you're focusing so much on the details of your faith that you think are so important. And by doing that, you're excluding and putting down so many people. And just so you know, that's what's going to get you into hell. My paraphrase, of course. But he's always using this concept of hell kind of to get a zinger in or to explain something that he's discussing. He's never talking about hell for the sake of talking about hell. And then again, as Brian McLaren points out, we see an unfolding of the theology of hell when we start getting past the Gospels in the New Testament. And we start to realize, okay, there's definitely a thought that's getting unfolded here by people as they try to understand God in regards to hell and in regards to heaven. So if we look at those realities, it's safe to say that hell then is a progression of human thought rather than a truth that has always been. So often we assume that beliefs that we hold as truths in Christianity and in our belief in God, we just believe that these things always have been. And if I'm honest with you, I had always believed that God somehow imparted many of these truths into the earth, into people from the very beginning. I never, I never doubted when I was growing up that hell was just something that always has been. Not until I got a little bit older and started asking some questions did I start start to realize that actually this is an un folding thought process of human beings as opposed to this truth from heaven, this divine truth that was just placed here on the earth, which really forces us to change our minds and change our thinking about some things. One of my favorite quotes is from an author. His name is C.K. Chesterton. If you've never heard of him, check out anything that he's written and you will enjoy it a great deal. But he has this quotation and I think it really sums up what we're talking about here in a good way. He says, the poet only asks to get his head into the heavens. It is the logician who seeks to get the heavens into his head and his head splits. We are constantly and have historically been trying to understand God. God is not meant to be understood. So sometimes when we're trying to understand him, we're trying to get the heavens into our heads. Our heads split. And when our heads split, we make crazy thought processes just to try to make it make sense to us. 
But I want to challenge everybody who's listening today to take the space, take the posture of the poet in that quote and allow ourselves to get our head into the heavens. So let's stop trying to understand God and let's just try to experience God. Some of you out there might be thinking, Matt, why is this so important? Can't you just leave it alone? <laughs> Isn't there anything that you refuse to question? And I think probably the answer is no. But I would just simply say this to you in regards to heaven and hell in this conversation that we're having today. I personally would say that if I had to choose one thing, if I had only the option to choose one thing to challenge, this would be it. This theology, this concept, this idea of heaven and hell, that would be the thing that I would choose if I couldn't challenge anything else because I believe that this kind of thinking feeds everything else. So the traditional theology of heaven and hell basically is that there is a place of perfection called heaven where people who believe in God and are, and I'm putting air quotes here, and are good, they get to go to heaven. So people who believe in God, and maybe I'll put in there, believe in God the right way and are good people, they get to go to heaven. And then there's this place of eternal punishment, punishment that never, never ends. <laughs> when I say it out loud, it just makes me giggle a little bit because this is what I've believed for so long that this God, this God that we call love, has this place of eternal punishment. I'm not going to get going on that. So anyway, that there's this place of eternal punishment where people who do not believe in God or don't believe in God the right way and are bad, again, in quotations, they go there. So this forces us to make decisions about what it means to believe in God. Again, we're trying to get the clouds or the heavens into our head. This forces us to make decisions about what it means to believe in God and also forces us to make decisions of what it means to believe in God the right way. And then probably the worst and the most damaging is that it forces us to make decisions about who is in and about who is out. And this, my friends, is where it has historically, since so long ago, been unbelievably ugly. I am likely only a Christian because I was born in America as opposed to being born in some other country with a different primary religion. Which means that in a human mind, it would not be too far of a leap to believe that God favors me by allowing me to be born in a place where I can go to heaven at least a lot easier. Which then a human mind could believe that I am better in the eyes of God than other people who weren't placed on this earth in the same way that I was. Let's just call this out for what it is. If I believe in the traditional model of heaven and hell, where people who believe the right way go to heaven, people who don't believe the right way go to hell, this is the reality of existence. If that's the way I believe, I believe 
that the Jews who died in the Holocaust at the hand of the Nazi regime, I would have to believe that all of those Jewish people were going to hell because they didn't believe in the right way. And I would also, let's take this a step further, I would also have to believe that some of their killers who at some point in their life decided to follow Jesus and believe in him in the right way, I would have to believe that those people, that they get to go to heaven. That's the way this theology works. Let's keep going. If I believe this way, it means that the Japanese people, the innocent Japanese people that were around who died in Hiroshima when Americans dropped a huge bomb on them, that those people are going to hell because they don't believe in God in the right way. Whereas the people that opened the doors to drop the bomb to kill all of them, those people were born in the right place and believe in the right way. So they get to enjoy eternity in heaven. Friends, this belief is at the core of so many ugly things that have happened in our history, including the Crusades, including slavery, including the genocide of Native Americans in our country, including the treatment of the LGBTQ community. And I could go on and on and on. The common theology of heaven and hell creates an us versus them religion and that can get ugly real fast what comes into question when we're talking about this specific issue of heaven and hell what comes into question is the character of god the character of jesus the character of who we believe in and the problem that i have with this type of thinking is we either have to rethink our definition of love or we have to rethink our thoughts on heaven and hell and really the way we look at our faith as a whole because all of us i think all christians would stand on the verse that says god is love all of us i would think would say you know jesus came to this earth with so much love towards us. We use that word love over and over and over in our faith circles, in our churches, in our conversations. Love is the answer. Love wins. There's always love. Love is patient. Love is kind. I mean, we use love. That word probably gets used in Christian circles more than any other word. So if we believe that God is love and we don't change our definition of what we think is love, and we even go so far to say this is unconditional love, well, then that creates a huge contradiction. Because how could a God who we actually defined as love, it says God is love. It doesn't say God does love or God can love. The Bible says that God is love. So if we want to grab onto that, and we also want to grab onto the verse in the book of Hebrews that basically tells us that if we want to see what God looks like, it looks like Jesus dying on the cross for us, which is complete humility, complete love. If we want to grab onto that, which I think we all do, I think that's what attracts us to Jesus. I think that's what attracts us to Christianity. If we want to grab onto that, then we have to deal with the contradiction that that love also is sending people to a place of eternal punishment just for not thinking the same way or the right way. That is a contradiction. 
I don't know how you can explain that away. I know people have tried to over and over and over again, but the reality is it does not work. We have two choices. We either have to believe that the God we serve does not love in the way we've always talked about and that we can call love eternal punishment and we can somehow look at that and say that's a way of loving, which if you put that in human terms, could you imagine doing something to punish somebody forever and somebody calling that love? Could you imagine being in an abusive relationship and calling that love and somebody from the outside looking at it and saying, oh yeah, that person definitely loves you by the way that they torment and torture you. No, we would tell that person to get out of the relationship and we'd do whatever it takes to help them do so. Yet we are willing to believe that God loves people by torturing them. That, my friends, is crazy. So we either have to change our thoughts on heaven and hell or we have to change our concept of what love actually is. I personally have chosen and will continue to choose to change my mind on what I believe the concept of heaven and hell is. You're born, you live, you die, and that life defines your eternity. Heaven and hell follow in a straight line from what you've made of this life and that's it yeah now this is obviously a bigger conversation than we can squeeze into a 25 30 minute podcast there's so much to this and and there's a lot more that we can talk about i'm going to throw some book references in the show notes for you to check out because i realize that for some people listening this might be a shock to your system but i am begging you to take this seriously and at least consider what i am saying And I don't want you to think that I'm trying to get you to believe that there isn't a heaven and there isn't a hell. That's not my goal. I just want to challenge our common thinking of heaven and hell. Whether there is a heaven and hell, I mean, that's a totally different conversation that I'm guessing we'll find ourselves in at some point. I will say this, that life lived not believing in hell is a life lived better. That's just my personal belief. But you might want to ask the question, so what is the alternative? What I am confident in is that the alternative is not to come up with a new theology of heaven and hell. My guess is that would simply create a whole new set of problems that in 100 years, some new Matt Kinzera is going to be talking in some new platform of how wrong that was. So the alternative isn't to just create a new theology. That's not usually helpful. I think the alternative is this. Number one, focus on loving God and loving Jesus as opposed to focusing on where you are going after you die. That's pretty easy, right? Number two, focus on loving those around you no matter what they look like or what they believe. And then number three, trust that God's grace is big enough to cover everyone including yourself. In the book of Romans, Paul writes that Jesus died once and for all. Why not allow the word all to actually mean all? Let's stop wasting precious time being right and deciding who's in and who's out. And let's use the small amount of time we have on this earth to walk like Jesus 
by loving God, loving others, standing with the oppressed and standing against the oppressors. Here's the thing. The easy way out is to make a theology an in and out theology, a you're in, you're out theology. That is the easy thing. It gives us the comfort of feeling like we're the chosen ones and it gives us the ability to avoid and condemn those who are not like us and those who just don't understand. The hard work, the very difficult work, lies in the belief that God's grace is bigger. The hard work lies in the belief that Jesus is for all. Until next time, keep walking. Has death always given way to life? Or has the sun been swallowed by the night? Did the tree tell the leaves that they must leave? Or did the wind convince them to flee? Did the shadow follow the light? As to always be closer, were they? Far too different